welcome to Two Courageous Minds with me, Nancy. And me, Keisha. This is where we have vulnerable and candid conversations about mental health, relationships, and everything in between. So come join us as we help you embrace and navigate life by inspiring you to be mentally courageous. Welcome to the first episode of Two Courageous Minds. I'm Keisha. And I'm Nancy. And for our podcast, we do want this to be a relaxed, welcoming space where we can have candid conversations about our life journeys. In the first two episodes of our podcast, however, we're going to take things interview style. We want to talk about our mental health journeys so far so that you guys can get a chance to know a bit about us and what inspired us to start this podcast. Think of these first two episodes as an overview. There will be topics that come up into which we'll definitely dive deeper in future episodes. So for today, we're going to talk about Nancy's story and her experiences with anxiety and TMD. So Nancy, tell us, how did it all begin? When did you first realize that you were struggling mentally? I first realized when I started struggling mentally uh, during the beginning of COVID, I think we all faced a bit of anxiety surrounding this so-called new virus. And I was no different. I remember when this all happened, I had talked to my colleagues about it and we jokingly said, you know, eventually this is all going to end. You know, it's not probably not going to last a long time. Uh, but I think in the back of my mind, I knew that this pandemic or this virus was was going to be longer than what we expected it. So one very vivid memory of, of mine, I went to volleyball and I was talking to my friends there and somebody there had said something along the lines of, well, eventually we're all going to get COVID. And I was like, you know, laughing with them as well. But in the back of my mind, I was like, I don't want to get COVID. <laughs> like I live with my parents, mm-hmm. right? And they're obviously older. And that was sort of my fear. So eventually when everything went under lockdown, you know, initially as well, I thought, oh, this is kind of good. I get to work from home. It's kind of nice to be able to, to do that. And As the days sort of went by, the feeling of anxiety or the feeling of worry got worse. So I was starting to feel some restriction in my throat. And that's when I freaked out because as we both know, in the beginning of COVID, people said if you have like a a cough or Mm -hmm. it was primarily like headache based, I think. Uh, And so I didn't experience the headache, but definitely the tightness. And so I started to worry and I had gone to a walk-in doctor and the doctor had checked my throat and said, no, everything looks fine. But if you're really worried, well, we'll get you to do some testing and get an x-ray. So I said, great, perfect. I want to be able to know exactly what's wrong with me. Uh, I got my results back and everything came back normal, which was a sigh of relief. But at the same time, I still felt that sensation, like the tightness and restriction in my throat. And I said, maybe it's something else. So I had asked to get blood work because I haven't gotten any in a while. Mm -hmm. And when those results came back, I was fine as well. And so I was like, great, you know, everything seems to be fine. But for whatever reason, I just couldn't shake off why I'm feeling this way. And you know me, Keish, like, uh, I'm so in tune with my body. And for me, still feeling the sensations in my in my Mm -hmm. system, I just couldn't like I needed to get to to the the bottom bottom of it. Exactly. As days went by, you know, under the lockdown, couldn't go out. I think mentally I was I was feeling slightly drained because I was only seeing people in my household. So I missed that social interaction that I was able to get from work. And obviously was seeing you and, you know, my other friends. 
Um, and then, yeah, it's it really dawned on me. Eventually, I was, I think I started to get insomnia because I was first anxious about COVID. And then now with this insomnia, it made it worse. I'm sort of someone who never had issue with sleep. I'm, you know, notorious for being a grandma because I sleep really <laughs> early and I drink hot water. So for me, sleep was never an issue. But now that I was starting to experience this thing called insomnia, it it was new to me. And just to cut it short, I developed a fear of sleep because I started to get a lot of tightness. So that tightness that I was feeling before got a lot worse. It was now in my head. It was, you know, it trickled down my neck and to my shoulders. And I thought, well, maybe it's just tightness. I'm just going to massage it and it's going to get better. But again, Mm -hmm. didn't get any better. And then it was hard because for me, like getting sleep was important because I needed to perform the next day. And I'm somebody who's very set on the fact that if I don't get say eight hours of sleep, I'm not going to be able to perform my best at work. Mm -hmm. And when I didn't, it made me feel, I guess, a sense of defeat. But my mom was like, well, you just need to like not think about it. Well, I can't because I'm feeling all these things in my body. I can't just stop thinking about it. Right. Eventually, uh, I think the breaking point was when uh, one night when same situation, I just couldn't sleep. And I think this is like a month into COVID. And then again, I had gone to my mom, my parents' room, and I was telling her, mom, I I can't sleep. And she's like, the same thing. She's like, just don't think about it. You know, stop thinking about it. Like, why do you need to think about it? And I think at that point, I just emotionally and mentally broke down. Um, And that was my first panic attack. I've never had a panic attack before then. And let me tell you, the panic attack, as you know, is scary, right? If you've never had it before. It's very similar to having like a, I guess, for some people, like a heart attack. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, I felt like I was dying, really. And I remember calling you at night and I felt so bad about calling you. And I was But you never have to, but yeah, I remember uh, too, yeah. I know, because I didn't know who else to call. And I had said, hey, Keish, I think I'm having an, an anxiety attack, panic attack, and I remember you telling me, you know, obviously no two situations are the same, but mm-hmm. uh, you had given me the provincial hotline to call to to see if I can get some support. And so I remember in right. the span of the, I guess, like the couple of minutes we were on the phone, I was having a lot of issues breathing. And I was like, this is like the worst five minutes of my life. <laughs> like yeah. I just... I just, yeah. And so I called the line and, you know, in hindsight now I can laugh about it. But in that moment when I called, the operator picked up and she was like, thank you for calling. You know, what's your name? What do you need help with? And I said, I think I'm having an anxiety attack. And I'm like, I need to talk to somebody. I need help. And she goes like, well, the, the wait list to see a nurse is 20 hours right now. And in my head, I was like, holy smokes. Same. Yeah. 20 hours, right? Like I could be dead in 20 hours. Yeah. And that she Especially said, if it feels like you're having a heart attack, right? Like, yeah. Exactly, yeah. right? So she had asked me, do you want to leave your number? And I said no, and I hung up. Keep in mind, though, I did take anxiety medication before I had my panic attack, and I have been on it a little bit before then, but it had never gotten to the state. So I ended up mm-hmm. going to the hospital because I live pretty close to one. And by the time I got there, they checked my blood pressure and it was super high. But at that point, because Mm -hmm. I think the medication had kicked in and I was like kind of chill, like sort of still me again. I'm like, oh, asking the nurse, 
I hope you guys are doing fine. <laughs> you know, just being the caring. Worrying about everyone else. Yeah, worrying about everybody <laughs> yeah. else. And I thought I was going to see like an actual doctor, but it turns out I was sent to see a crisis worker. He was asking me a bunch of questions. And obviously I told him I felt like my heart was not working. I had trouble breathing and everything seemed like it was out of control in my body. And I was so fixated on the fact that my heart was malfunctioning. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, like, I think you're just, you're going through, uh, you know, some mental issues. He recommended me to see a psychiatrist. Initially, I was super hesitant. And you know me, I'm because I'm such a holistic person. Mm-hmm. For me, giving into the fact that now I have to see this psychiatrist was scary. I didn't really want to because I felt like I could solve the problem myself and not having to resort to a specialist. But he's like, if you feel better, you can cancel the appointment. I think that kind of allowed me to feel a sense of ease, knowing that Mm -hmm. I could cancel it and not see the psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. So those three weeks after my attack was probably the most horrible part of my journey. I think I remember crying a lot during that period, just nonstop Mm -hmm. crying for no reason. Just felt like my brain hijacked my emotions. And it wasn't me. Like people know me as being the happy, bubbly Nancy. I think in that one month, two month period, I wasn't myself. I was not happy. I was triggered all the time. My anxiety like flared up on a regular basis, especially at nighttime because now I've developed sleep anxiety. Mm-hmm. And just it just got worse. So I felt horrible. In hindsight, right now, I think I'm very thankful for the experience. But in the three week period, I moment. felt like, yeah. yeah, I felt like I was going to die. Like I felt like it sounds horrible, but I felt like I just wanted to I wouldn't say end things, but I was like, I just wanted this pain to go away. Like, why does it have to keep lingering in my system? Mm-hmm. I, and again, I tried to do everything possible, obviously, with the health professionals not being able to see anybody in person anymore I couldn't really get the assistance that I needed and again I'm still dealing with this tightness that I can't get rid of so here I am on medication and still dealing with this tightness so I resorted to doing a lot of stuff virtually but uh, eventually I saw a chiropractor and she's great Uh, she's actually a friend of mine and she had done a test on me And I remember her doing this eye test. She's like, move your eyes left to right, up and down. And I remember moving my eyes to the right, but my eye was like struggling. (laughs) It couldn't couldn't (laughs) move further, but I didn't think anything of it. And then she was telling me, I think you have nystagmus. And I'm like, what's nystagmus? And she's like, oh, like when your eye kind of moves uncontrollably. And I was like, oh, that's weird. I mean, nystagmus sounds, you know, great to say. Like, nystagmus, I have nystagmus. But (laughs) I don't think people want to have nystagmus to begin with. And she also said, I think you have TMD. And I was like, what's TMD? And she's like, I noticed your jaw when you open and close it, it shifts. So she said, well, we'll get you an x-ray just to check it out. And lo and behold, I did uh, have TMD. Uh, but she said, you know, I don't, she, she doesn't specialize in TMD issues and she's mm-hmm. never dealt with it. So she had referred me to uh, another chiropractor. So that's why I have two chiropractors. So she deals with everything below my neck. And then my, mm-hmm. my other chiropractor deals with everything above my neck. <laughs> and isn't just like amazing because you would just assume, okay, a chiropractor is going to deal with your back. Furthermore, 
mm-hmm. below neck, above neck, TMD. But just, I'm going to jump right in. Could you remind me, remind us, or tell us what is TMD? What does TMD stand for? So TMD stands for Temporal Mandibular Disorder. Uh, I could be butchering the way I'm saying it, but that's <laughs> what it means. No one will know the difference. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're a health professional, exactly. then you'll know the difference. But it's yeah. essentially when the muscles or your jaw joints, uh, I guess, gets inflamed or issues surrounding the muscle and the joint. Mm-hmm. And that's what I had. And it's primarily it was primarily on my right side. There was a shift every time I opened. That tightness was all a result of that. Um, the, mm-hmm. And a lot of people who have TMD, they are people who clench their teeth a lot okay. or as well as when they sleep, they clench. And those people are more prone, I believe, to TMD. I mean, again, I, I think I developed it because of the fact that I was just forcing myself to sleep when I was going through mm-hmm. the insomnia phase. And that created the tension and therefore it resulted in that. But when I went to see the, the chiropractor, Dr. Merrill, he had explained to me um, everything. And I remember when I saw him, he said, it's going to take six to eight weeks. I'm like, you kidding me? It's going to take six to eight weeks. I remember coming out of that first session and being upset about it. And I don't think I've ever told him about it, but I remember calling my cousin. I was like, this guy's telling me that it's going to take six to eight weeks for me to get better. And because I'm the type of person who wants to resolve something ASAP, I could not grapple behind the fact that now I have to do treatment for six to eight weeks I mean I've sort of surpassed that six to eight weeks now it's been like three months I think (laughs) and and we're still on that path of of getting better but it takes time and I think I remember you saying that that cousin actually isn't it her husband or something that that has TMD as well yeah so my cousin's husband has TMD as well and that's sort of how I first heard about it and he obviously Mm -hmm. has a chiropractor that helps with him but it's okay. actually very common for people who have TMD to have anxiety as well. So okay. because with my, and again, my anxiety sort of changes as my journey mm-hmm. progressed. So when I finally found out I had TMD, well, I was so fixated on now I have to fix it and get better from it. And when it did flare up, I was anxious about the flare up. But when I had anxiety and it was not related to my TMD, that anxiety triggered my flare-up with my TMD. So it was actually a very vicious cycle, similar to my insomnia. It was a vicious cycle. But, you know, I eventually accepted that. And I remember Dr. Merrill telling me, he's like, the first time I saw you, it seemed like someone punched you in the eye. (laughs) And I was like, I was like, oh, that's very nice of you to say. But it's so funny because during the two-month period, or the month and a half uh, before I saw him, I didn't even realize it. Like, can you think right. about staring in the mirror all the time and not realizing that you, your There's eyes were something swollen? Wrong. Yeah, my goodness. Yeah, but the pain is definitely there. Like, it's literally all over your face. It's not yeah. where the jaw is. It triggers the back of your neck and everything. And I never thought that because of the jaw muscles or the shift in the jaw that would create so much so change and tightness. And so many issues, yeah. And having to deal with the anxiety on top of that was very, very difficult. I feel like I've been talking about my story for so long, but in short, I'm obviously still going through this process, but I have learned so much along the way. And obviously with the support of seeing a therapist and you know being able to have a close 
group of supporters like you, Keish, being there for me and me for you, vice versa. Mm -hmm. I think I am on to a good path of recovery. And as you mentioned earlier in the episode, really, we started this podcast for us to share our story so that people out there who are struggling can relate. But as well, I think selfishly for us, we wanted to start this Mm -hmm. as a way for us to heal. Yeah, and to have an outlet for sure, because um, I think we've we've talked about it several times, but being able to to talk about it in a safe space and whether it's just for someone to listen, whether it's to get feedback, just to know that you're not alone, you know, whatever the case is, I think is so important. So yeah, definitely a bit self-serving our podcast, but hopefully we'll be able to help people in the process too. Mm -hmm. Why don't you tell me, I'm curious, what was your perception of mental illness before you dealt with it personally? Uh, Growing up in an Asian household, I think we, I mean, I know we didn't talk about mental health ever. I think the perception about someone who has a mental health illness, you know, if they do have one, they're crazy. So there was either like they're crazy or normal. And having to deal with it myself for the first time, I never would have thought that I would be in this position. I mean, but in hindsight, as I think about it, I was somebody who worried a lot. I worried about everything and anything. So it wasn't really a shock to me that I developed a mental health issue, but the perception definitely changed. You know, you never know who you come across and they might Mm -hmm. be struggling with a mental health issue. Again, I am someone who's super bubbly and happy all the time, but I think deep down I was dealing with a lot of things that I had suppressed over the years. Right. And uh, now that you've gone through it or started this journey, what is your perception of mental illness now? My perception on mental illness now is it's, again, to your point, it is a journey. Initially, I thought, oh, it's short term. Like, I can, I want to get this fixed now. I want to get better now. But in reality, it does take time. And, Mm -hmm. you know, accepting that it does take time is probably the most important part of the journey. If you're not able to accept that you do have a mental health problem, it, it makes it so much harder. And... I I had to learn that multiple times along the way. I had lots of great success. And then also I had times where I, I was crying because now I was like the expectation piece of not accepting. Mm-hmm. And um, I know that you said acceptance is key, but what other advice or, or can you elaborate? Like what would be the advice you would give people who are experiencing similar struggles, either with anxiety or TMD or... Um, just health-related anxiety, right? Because COVID is very real for a lot of us, a lot of people. So what kind of advice would you give for people going through the same thing? Again, obviously the acceptance piece, but as well, like, don't try to worry about things that are out of your control. I think we fear a lot Mm. in life, and obviously fear creates anxiety. So Mm -hmm. if you're able to take a step back and allow yourself to stay present in the moment. I learned a lot Mm -hmm. about that, especially with meditating, seeking help. I think initially when I spoke to you, Keisha, I was very hesitant to reach out to see a therapist. It took me a Mm -hmm. while to, again, accept the fact that I need someone to help me. I can't do this by myself. And so seeking a therapist does not mean you're weak. Uh, it is not a sign of weakness. And, you know, earlier in my journey, I thought that was a weakness. Well, why do I have to rely on somebody to help me get better when I can do right. it myself? 
And it's actually such a sign of strength, right? To know that you've recognized where your limitations start might be where someone else's expertise begins. So definitely more a sign of strength than than weakness to be able to ask for help. Absolutely. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And especially for people who struggle with health anxiety like me, I think a piece of advice I'd recommend is learn to know your body. There are obviously are certain triggers in your body that's alarming. Like, you know, if you're, I don't know, if you're having a heart attack and you know what a heart attack is like, like yes, please go to the hospital, seek medical help. But right. sometimes a lot of people don't understand is like when you have anxiety, you do get similar feelings and and whatnot. To something to, that you think is more severe. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So if you have a health anxiety, don't try to think of the worst case scenario. Acknowledge that you're feeling these things and and understand it. And I think being able to let it be in the system is so important. It took me a very long time to recognize that. I think I'm still learning from it. I mean, without a doubt, there are certain days where I do feel like, oh my God, is this like something worse or like, is it cancerous or or whatnot? Yeah. But yeah, I think just being able to know your body a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, don't think ahead and don't think of the worst case scenario is super important. Yeah, definitely don't rely on Dr. Google. It never ends Yes, well. don't ever. <laughs> so, you have health anxiety. No, great piece. Like if you have health anxiety, please don't Google. Like Google yeah. is the worst thing you can do and it makes it makes you mentally worse like feel worse yeah and like for for those people who have to do it um like i even know for you like you would you could you could google but you become more informed because of it not like oh my goodness i must have this it's like mm -hmm. okay there are maybe a list of 10 things that it could be clearly i don't have all 10 so that should you know at least temper things a bit and then it's at the most maybe to point you in the direction of the right medical professionals to help you you know, figure out what you have. Because again, like, like I said, like, I remember being so surprised when you said that you saw a chiropractor, they did an eye test, and they determined something's wrong with your jaw. I'm like, how? How does that all add up? But they're the professionals, we're not, right? Google's mm -hmm. not. And, yes. um, you know, this started off as you need a psychiatrist, you can prescribe medication to you're seeing a chiropractor who's helping with your jaw. So definitely don't let Google do all the work. And, uh, I guess like from what from what I've heard from you also you don't need to rely on just one medical professional's opinion to to get the help you need like if you don't think it's right explore your options right don't just discount any I think yeah. that's that's what I've gathered just from sitting here listening to you today even though we talk all the time right so mm -hmm. um, yeah I mean I see a bunch of health professionals I see my chiropractors I see an acupuncturist uh, mm -hmm. and, and obviously in the early phases, I saw a massage therapist. So don't discount those options out there. I think mm -hmm. a lot of people rely on their family doctor for the support. And a lot of times family doctors don't, I mean, it's not to say that they don't know exactly what mental health is, but I think they are, you know, from the more broader they're, spectrum. Yeah. And they're, they're overloaded too. Like that's something I've learned and I don't, I don't want to hijack your story, but definitely I remember even saying to you like literally like our family doctors they're called gps general practitioners they know the general of everything they're jack of all trades masters of none right so you can't just rely on that sometimes dr google is for you to do your research and might be like hey can i do this can i look into that and your doctor might be like great idea yeah so um it seems crazy to to have to tell your doctor what you need but 
it never hurts to voice your opinions because you have no idea what it could lead to and the help that you could get, right? Luckily, if you're listening from within Canada, at least, you know, talking to your, your GP is free, you're getting into the hospital. And then those other options, yeah, definitely might require an investment, but to know your options at least, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I heard you mention, Nancy, um, meditating that helped you a bit. What kind of things along with meditation have you found to help you cope? Yeah, definitely meditation. I think we've talked about meditation before. Like I initially when I thought I was doing meditation, I really wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's obviously a right way and a wrong way to do meditation. Even with breathing as well, I've learned there's a technique to breathing that will help you relax. But yeah, I think the first time I actually did meditation, I felt really good. It was very healing you know, being able to be in tune with your body and the present. I I think it's a life changer. I take so much time now, usually two hours before I go to sleep, just for myself, Mm -hmm. just to meditate, relax and be in the moment. And I think it's so important, especially when we live in such a busy uh, society. Fast paced. Um, Exactly. Fast paced society. And obviously, right now, we're not really fast paced because of the pandemic. But it's so important to take that time and to focus on ourselves. Uh, I think that's so key to to feeling better. Uh, another it's thing, funny that yeah. you say that. Sorry to interrupt, but it's funny that you say that because whether or not it's fast paced in light of the pandemic definitely depends on what you do, right? What your role is, because yep. like there are some people I know with my work, it's like it's more now like because you're working from home, you're more accountable. So you, you have to cross your cross your T's and dot your I's more. So definitely that piece on taking time for yourself, especially as the boundary can blur between work and home life because they're into yeah. one is super important. Yeah. Sorry mm-hmm. to interrupt, but yeah, what you were going to say another thing that helps you cope. Yeah. Yoga. Definitely. I think everybody suggests yoga. I remember my GP saying do yoga. And obviously in <laughs> the beginning I couldn't because there was so much tension in my jaw yeah. and going into a downward dog pose was oh, like God. the worst feeling in the world. So I didn't do that in the beginning, but I, try to practice yoga on a regular just because to your point Keisha like working from home you're sort of stuck in the same position you're slouching all the time and yoga is a great way for you to open up again and and stretch out those parts that are very stiff in the body right sorry I was also going to say that for me and I know for some people it it worked very well but journaling is a a technique I tried that Mm. in the beginning I didn't really journal a lot. I tried, I, I, but I think I got frustrated because I had to write out all my thoughts. <laughs> so instead, it, it, I resorted yeah. <laughs> I resorted to like recordings because at least mm-hmm. I can say it and I can do it immediately versus, you know, taking the time, sitting down, reflecting my day. Right. That's definitely interesting to, to hear, right? Because sometimes you think journaling, pen and paper, that's your only option. But yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. There's so many ways now with technology. Okay, where are you at now and how do you feel on your journey with anxiety overall? So like with your health anxiety, TMD and insomnia? I feel pretty good right now. Obviously, all those things are sort of in different phases. So with my TMD, I think I'm pretty much around 80% there. I still have Mm -hmm. a bit of tightness and I still need to work on that. But I'm seeing Dr. Merrill a lot less and I think we're making great progress. With my sleep anxiety, 
Uh, I think because I'm on medication, I'm feeling pretty good. But because my TMD is getting better, that's been helping with my sleep because I'm not feeling that sort of tightness. And then, yeah. And then with my health anxiety, I think I, that piece is, I'm still working on it. There are days where I feel I'm pretty good and I understand that, hey, the anxiety is here, but I should just let it be and not overthink it. But then there are certain days where I feel like I decided to overthink and Mm -hmm. not feel so good about it. But in general, I think I'm on the right track and I'm trying to have a positive outlook, but at the same time, be okay if what I've envisioned is not happening. Right. Makes sense. No, I think that's so important for people to hear, right? It's all about progress, like you said. Yeah, for sure. There's definitely been progress. I guess the last couple of questions that I have for you circle around what do you want people to know about anxiety or what's some advice you can give to people who are experiencing similar struggles as yourself? I think there are a couple of things. Uh, First of all, you shouldn't fear your anxiety. A lot of times when we do have anxiety, we fear what's going to happen to us. And I think that becomes a very vicious cycle. It also goes hand in hand with the acceptance piece. You know, once you start to accept that you have the anxiety, everything will be a lot easier. Another thing is the fact that you really should seek help or, or talk to people about your anxiety or your mental health issue. I think there's obviously still that stigma and that, that again, that fear piece is when we start to tell people we have a mental health illness, you might feel like some people will be judging you because of the fact that you are experiencing some sort of mental health issue. Mm-hmm. And that's that's difficult, right? Like even for myself, I didn't talk about it in the early phases because I feared that judgment because I sort of had this image of being this happy person all the time. And now I'm in this state of mind where I'm the complete opposite. I felt like the image of Nancy has disappeared and Mm -hmm. I really wanted to maintain that. So there was sort of this internal struggle with, uh, with myself. So just, yeah, I, I think learning through the process and, appreciating the process is very important. So yeah, I think that's some of the advice that that I'd like to share with with people. And I think that's so important for for our listeners to hear um, that keeping that image of who you are and just kind of remembering that like you're still you, you're going through something and uh, you're just working to be the best you, whatever that looks like. So definitely super important. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I want to leave you with the last word, Nancy. Is there anything else that you want to add for our listeners today, whether that's for people dealing with their own anxiety or for people with loved ones with anxiety or any of the struggles that you've had to go through? I think the biggest thing I want to leave our listeners is that we really need to normalize the conversation about mental health. We, again, going back to the judgment piece, you know, society, as a society, we Previously, we didn't really talk a lot about mental health, or even Mm -hmm. if we did, there was still this stigma around it. So normalizing the conversation is so important. And, you know, you never know who you come across, right? Sometimes someone might seem normal, but really they can potentially be going through a mental health crisis that you're unaware of. So be kind to other people and uh, be compassionate and yeah, just Having those conversations, uh, I think, is going to help educate others about the topic of mental health. That's perfect. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, Nancy. It's so great to hear your perspective and your point of view. And 
I really hope that someone listening out there will find that what you've had to say useful. Yeah, thank you for interviewing me, Keisha, about my journey and my experience. Stay tuned to our next episode as Keisha dives into her mental health journey. To our listeners, we're going to call you our TCM family now. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll chat with you guys next time. Bye. Bye.